Hello and welcome to this, the next episode of Web3 LFG. And this is an episode entirely about the money. Participating in buying and selling NFTs, participating in Web3 in any kind of investment-based sense involves having some understanding of cryptocurrency. And I came to this with, well, a very mainstream understanding of cryptocurrency, which is to say, not a lot. Uh, very, very cautious, very sceptical. Um, I've been aware of the conversation around cryptocurrencies pretty much since they started, uh, early days of Bitcoin, seeing that kind of rocket, um, and just very, very peripheral, just kind of a lot of, well, a lot of men talking about a lot of money, uh, real money, not real money, what you can do with not real money, um, what you can't do with not real money. And obviously, pretty much everybody else who was aware of us but not actually participating themselves talking about the massive environmental damage uh, of bitcoin particularly kind of increasingly really as the years went by um this is not really going to be about bitcoin because i don't really find that to be a particularly relevant currency to my journey so far um i am really not well versed in these details this is really an attempt to showcase the absolute minimum that I've managed to get by with so far in the past few months. So with this understanding of Bitcoin, or brief as it was, I felt like there was a solidity, in a sense, in um, buying cryptocurrency. It is a thing you can do. It is a thing you can hold. It is the transfer of money. It goes up, it goes down. Money goes up, it goes down. I am, I should really be very clear. In case it's not clear, I can't imagine it's not clear. I don't know anything about finances, investing, traditional, new, crypto, not crypto. I am not an investor. I am not also in this to make money out of money. This is really just about the learning experience, the extent to which I've had to learn things in order to participate, because you do. Weirdly, the next thing I learned, I think, with any great understanding about was was Dogecoin, because it's hard not to hear about Dogecoin. It's a meme. It's a huge amount of noise. It is the kind of cryptocurrency concept that actually is a really useful showcase, I think, for people who don't really understand about these things. I think it highlights the potential for anything to take off if there is enough oomph behind it. Oomph is a great technical term for this. Um, if there's enough hype, if there's enough buzz, oomph, then people will put money into it. And where money goes, money follows. Generally speaking, um, things go up and down. But Dogecoin, I think, was that thing where it's it's both, this is getting silly now uh, to anybody who's not not really involved, but presumably also to people who are actually involved. This is also getting silly now. And you can either participate in silliness um, and really, how silly is it when you look at how much uh, the value of Dogecoin has increased? You can take it or leave it. Um, but but that is almost a currency by name, as as far as I'm aware. I am really not particular way, particularly aware about the benefits of holding Dogecoin, apart from the fact that like some people who bought some when it was funny are now laughing all the way to the literal bank. Um, it's just a useful thing to have been aware of all of this time. Still. When it came to actually participating and looking at the communities that I was in, which I've discussed in, in some of the previous episodes, um, 
and we'll talk again specifically about my BFF because that is the place I was first looking to engage with cryptocurrency for the purpose of minting an NFT. The currency that I would really come to be familiar with and the first currency that I would buy any of was ETH. Um, and I am sure there are many ways of saying ETH and ETH and ETH. And I don't, I don't know. I've not heard anyone talk about cryptocurrency out loud. So I don't know. So I'm going with ETH and um, we'll see how that goes. And when I talk about being new to this space, this is one of the ways where I'm new to this space. It is easy to literally sound silly when you are talking about these things. Um, so ETH. One of the things that was so useful about starting out with my BFF is how much they handheld the community who needed it through these things and how joyous it was for those people in the community to be available to support us. You know, the moderators were there for kind of the sort of cast iron best advice or recommended um, maneuvers or this is how I do it. This is how you could do it. You know, those kinds of things. But, but the whole community felt even if it had gone there first, there was no judgment around the people who were doing this for the first time, who were nervous, who uh, perhaps had very little experience of moving money around online. Um, they, you know, there were some people in the community who didn't, for example, do things like online banking or didn't do a huge amount of, of buying things even online. There's all kinds of participation levels and it's great to have that environment when you're doing something that can be kind of frightening. Um, because it can be. And when we think about barriers to entry, uh, some of this understanding, isn't it dangerous? I mean, again, this is a whole, everything is a topic for another podcast, but isn't it dangerous? Isn't it insecure? Isn't it complicated? Um, isn't there a real risk that you could lose your, your actual money, if you like, by buying cryptocurrency? I mean, the answer is always yes and no. Learning how to read the small print learning where a good place to buy which currency is, learning how to buy a currency, learning what looks right, uh, where to double check things, what to look at, what to expect, where to check prices and the price of gas. I mean, as if that wasn't enough of a real world conversation, particularly around the time that um, I was starting to get myself ready to mint uh, my BFF was when there was a particular transaction in another rather well-known community again another time. Uh, but the price of gas at, at one point got really high. And um, for new people who were there going, well, you know, what if I'm trying to spend what I think is a reasonable amount of money? And then the fees are 27 times that reasonable amount of money. Is this is this really a space I can afford to be in? What if I accidentally press a button and, you know, lose my house? It's quite hard to do that. And I think that one of the things that's quite good about the cryptocurrencies is that it forces you to be really mindful. There is a, they are a layer, if you like, of engagement between real life, real. I don't, I don't want to be a person who starts saying those things. The world of crypto and Web three and NFTs is not not real life. It is real. Digital things are real, and they exist in the world, um, and they're just as much a thing as physical things. So I don't want to be like that. But I do want to say that having to transfer your ah, real world money to your digital world money is a useful way to think about things. So when I started, started thinking, okay, I'm going to need 0.07F to participate in this BFF Mint. Uh, so a quick catch up was that um, I was an early bracelet holder. That was a free drop to people who attended a webinar. And I was lucky enough to get one. And I had it. And that meant that I could then mint one of the UPFPs when they came out. So that was their first NFT collection. And it was 
you know, held as something that you could learn how to mint by minting this thing. It was a 24 hour mint. Everyone who had a bracelet was guaranteed. It was designed to be low pressure. There was mod support the whole time. How nice is that? I mean, for somebody who doesn't live on American time, it was really nice to be in a community that had mint support like on British time. That was delightful. Um, but I, I still needed to have that money ready and in my wallet. So knowing that there was that was coming, I had quite a long lead up and I started to look at like, how do I acquire this? How do I buy it? You literally, you go to a sort of a broker space for it. Um, you know, somewhere like Coinbase, uh, I'm sure there are millions of them. I found Coinbase kind of the most straightforward. It felt like the most mainstream kind of place to send your money. The branding looks very, I don't know, acceptable. It seemed like an easy place to understand the interface works for me. And places with with a good interface in these things, I think that's quite positive. Uh, they also had an integration coming with Ledger, talk about Ledgers in future, but I already knew enough to know that that was going to be a good thing. Uh, so I went through Coinbase and I just started looking. Before I bought anything, I started looking at if I was going to buy a small amount, like 30 quid of F, how much is that worth today? And I just started getting used to the price because prices ebbing and flowing, sometimes like really drastically. If you're not used to this, if you're not used to doing anything in finance where you know, the value can go up and down in the space of like 10 minutes, you can see how people get like weirdly into trying to sort of buy and sell things. Like it changes all the time. Um, so I would just kind of look, how much is it now? How much is it now? And even stopping looking got a bit weird at some point. Like you'd have to just sort of really take a step back and be like, okay, I have to put this down now. Again, that's another conversation to talk about. When is it time to step away? But um, I would, I would get a sense over time, when do I get more F for this amount of money? What does it usually look like to put the same amount in and see what F that buys? And having looked at that over a period of time, I started to get a sense of when something was high and when it wasn't. And, and I still actually check in with that same amount of money. That kind of became my baseline for understanding the price of F over time. And I think that's a really useful thing to have because, yes, you could look at how much like the main search is like, how much is one F in dollars? I will never keep that in my head. Too many numbers, too weird, and sort of too out of my space at this time. So having this same amount that is, is an amount I might reasonably get, that made sense. And then I started to actually purchase the small amounts. And it turns out this is a whole thing, of course, because nothing is new under any sun. But this is basically what Americans call dollar cost averaging, buying small amounts over a period of time. And sometimes you'll pay more. Sometimes you'll pay less, but with anything that varies that much, those fluctuations will eventually result in you spending you know, a decent average, hopefully. Um, so that's how I decided to build up that first 0.07F. Again, I'm here for the hobby. I'm here to learn. And the way that I've looked at this whole Web3 time is I am spending money to learn. Rather than take a course, I am participating. And I'm not spending money I don't have. I am never spending money that I do not have. I am spending money from, you know, most years I try and do some kind of development courses, um, professional development, personal development, all sorts of things. And this is what I'm spending that on this year. So 
I want to be careful with it. I want it to go as far as it can. It's not that much money. So I, I want to make the most of it. And I want it to be as safe and considered as possible. So I've done this over time. So when I got to the mint day and I had my 0.07F and then I think I had probably another like 0.02, I probably had about 0.1 in total for mint. And I was nervous about the gas thing. I really was because I was just like, you know, I want this to be an easy transaction. I want this to be a straightforward thing to do. I've gone to all the trouble of, of collecting all these moving pieces and I want it to be ready. And yeah, it, it, spoilers, it all went completely fine. I had the money, I had organized it well and it was easy to do. And that really gave me confidence. And again, I think that's what this project hoped to do was inspire some confidence. It worked. Um, so that, that was the first kind of step into currencies, uh, was just having that F for that one particular project for that specific mint. And it went really well. And then it turns out there are just a billion other currencies. And I've been so focused on that one thing, uh, which is no small thing. I think it's really good to, to pick a project and a purpose and just make sure you understand those things. Like when you're new to the space, obviously, again, like some people are operating from this huge longevity of knowledge, um, people involved in all kinds of projects on all kinds of currencies and networks and so on. And things are developing so quickly right now. I mean, I think Web3 moves very quickly anyway, it would do. There are so many people with so much competence and so much money literally invested in these things. You would hope it would move quickly. And I think one of the things that's moved really quickly is the environmental aspect of things. So you've got currencies like Polygon, um, like Solana, which are moving into kind of more prominent spaces. Um, I was looking at a project today, which is Eth on Polygon, and you bridge your currency to it, and, you, and that's yet another layer. You think about it in this way. You have to bridge your currency into a different currency, but it's still Eth on the Polygon blockchain which works differently i mean this is this is real base level basic understanding that i have um and i'm still just kind of working these little bits out but my understanding is that as even eth moves from proof of work to proof of stake we are massively reducing the amount of of energy and really changing the type of interaction that it takes to make purchases in the predominant NFT space, at least on the blockchain. And we're also enabling other currencies to be able to do that. And I just feel like there'll be some people listening to this who are like, well, you just don't know what you're talking about, do you? No, I don't. But maybe concerningly, I don't really need to have much more understanding than this. I have a few NFTs now. I have bought them in a couple of different ways. Um, I recently participated in something that asked me to buy something in dollars. And actually, that was almost harder. It is almost harder to get pounds to dollars than it is um, to get pounds into ETH or to, to anything um, like that. In this day and age, it is weirdly complicated to convert things to dollars. And in the end, actually, I decided not to do it in dollars and went back uh, into cryptocurrency because it was just easier. Um, and... I'm delighted that these spaces are advancing so quickly into more environmentally considerate ways. Like I say, I think that we don't talk enough about how much cost there is of, of the internet in general. I think we don't talk about how much energy it takes to power everything we already use. Um, you know, literal like server rooms 
if you've been in a server room, you know what it takes to keep it cool. You know what it takes to keep it functioning. That is not without energy. But that is really not an argument I have sufficient information to make. I will only say that it is a sufficient contemplation that I am hoping that the way people look at how cryptocurrency is, is created and maintained um, will give us solutions in the future to how we look after our, our physical digital manifestations as a whole. Like we have to find better ways of doing these things. We have to find better ways of distributing networking, uh, information, currency, exchanges, buying and selling. We have to do these things. I am quite excited by the different types of um, currencies that are available, some of them. And there are so many, there are so many where you just look at that and you think, that's just a couple of people and a dog in a corner. And, and I don't know that I need anything to do with that. Um, and then something like Flow, I found really interesting. Um, I found Flow quite early on uh, through a project called The Fabricant, which was also uh, something recommended by BFF. And they sort of had a partnership uh, where you got a token that enabled you to participate in a drop. I'll probably talk more about The Fabricant another time, but, uh, but the back end of that runs entirely on Flow. I needed to set up a, a Flow-based wallet, a completely separate kind of wallet from everything I previously worked with, and find yet another way to get money into Flow. I found, What I found really interesting about Flow is the team that, that make it are very open, they're very transparent, like so many of the better things in this environment are. So, you know, they have a Discord, they have uh, really a lot, an enormous amount of information about how it works, about um, all the different nodes and staking on nodes and Staking is is something that I'm still conceptually behind on, but interested in. And I'm interested in it in some of these newer spaces where I feel like they're really trying to push forward. They're trying to make progress that is actively beneficial. So uh, at the moment, I have talked about, I was it ETH and Polygon and Flow. And I think those are really the main ones that I've had anything to do with. Um, and Solana is something I know about. I haven't really... I bought a tiny bit of it just to get sort of that experience of buying some and see how it changes over time. Um, it's one of those currencies that offers you interest for holding. I want to see what that looks like. Like, what does that look like if you hold it? Um, I'm not actively trying to, again, I'm not <laughs> making money out of it, but I am curious. And I think that that's the theme of all of these things is I am curious. And thus far, that curiosity has enabled me to participate and to get quite a long way. Cryptocurrency conceptually can be really frightening. It can sound so odd and dangerous. But as somebody who's always been kind of frightened of credit cards, because that's money that you don't even have, and that is so normal, it is such a, a normal part of life, bank loans, money that you don't even have, I find at least with cryptocurrency, it is something that you have whether or not it has any value, whether or not you can do anything with it, that is, well, it, it feels like the toss of a coin sometimes. I mean, certainly we've seen currencies get hacked. We've seen um, a bear market. I should I should really keep a list of all the things I want to talk about more for other pods as I make these, but I mean, talking and writing at the same time, that's far too much multitasking. Anyway, uh, yeah, the bottom can fall out of, of currencies. Uh, we've seen like, like Luna, that was collapsing just as I joined. Again, a really handy cautionary tale for people getting excited about coming in and seeing those fluctuations. 
it's it's a handy cautionary tale. It's terrible if people have put, you know, the house and everything into it. That is traumatic to to sort of see in the space. But if you haven't got that far yet, and if you are susceptible, perhaps, to um, excitement, it is it is definitely a warning of something that can happen. But you know, all currencies can crash. A pound can go. You can end up with a suitcase of five pound notes that don't mean anything. We're all at the mercy of a lot of different systems. And I suppose that this might be a generational thing, but I just, I don't have a a great deal of faith in these things anyway. But I'm playing very, very small. And so far, touch wood, it's been kind of fine. So I think that is rather more rabbiting than I had expected to do about this. And I feel like I've hardly scratched the surface, but that is my my basic start. That is where I began. And I'm sure I'll be coming back to talk about where I went next. Thanks for listening.